right, so uh, on today's show, we have we decided to go a little down under this week and uh, actually discuss things with another woman with an accent because we've decided we just can't have Eva being the only woman that everybody out there fantasizes about. So this week, we bring to you Emma. It's got a rhyme with Eva, though, doesn't it? It really does. I, I don't think they're going to be able to tell the difference. No, all, all the accents are the same. Yes, yeah. we Swedish, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think By the way, it. Charlie, I'm um, not from Austria, so don't ask me about strudels. <laughs> There's no difference. Austria, Australia. It's all the same. Just a uh, consonant or two. All you people look the same to me. Are you going to call him a Kiwi too? And uh, what was the other one? No, I don't want to really piss her off. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you wanted to do that, all you'd have to do is bring up Paul Hogan. But, wow. Oh, my God. That's- that's a blast from the past. <laughs> oh, PTSD right there. <laughs> uh, so, really, it's um, it's all about growing up Catholic. Is that right? Yeah, I um, I've been listening to your show, and lots of things have struck a chord with me. And I just there's lots of things that, as I was growing up a Catholic, that I thought you guys would like to hear about and find entertaining, amusing, baffling. Etc. So, yeah. yeah. T- tell us about the time you got molested by a priest. <laughs> She's not only one boy. time. Oh, <laughs> they only molest <laughs> boys. Been an S on the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it never happened actually. I've had a. I've been locked in a, my bedroom with a priest, but uh, no, I don't think anything actually happened. So I'm uh, one of the. Uh, Wait, wait, before we get into the horrifying, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what did growing up with the priest in your bedroom do to you? Uh, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> well, I, I was born a Catholic, and I went to an all-girl Catholic school, settled down Leighton, from um, prep till year 12. So I don't know what that is in the U.S., but um, all of school, basically. I already told you that as soon as I hear your accent, I'm going to do premature ejaculation, so there's no reason to tell me to calm down. Leighton wants to know exactly what your uniform looked like. How short was the skirt, and how high did the stockings go? (laughs) Uh, There were very strict regulations about skirt length and sock length, actually. Um, So it was not attractive, and the main color was a lovely feminine (laughs) Gray. (laughs) You may not have found it attractive, but I'm sure I could see something. Well, our school actually had the nickname of the Pound, so uh, that might give you an idea of how attractive the uniform was. Once again, you're forgetting the size of my penis. I'll take anything. Uh, Anyway, but we were told not to lie down (laughs) at recess and lunchtime because we might excite the gardeners, so somebody must have maybe found it attractive, so, yeah. (laughs) Everybody wants to adopt a pound puppy. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, I'm glad you're letting me speak today, too. I'm not going to beat my face in. I appreciate that. I feel blessed. Well, um... We allow women to talk for at least one hour before we tell them to get back in the kitchen to cook us food. Fair enough. All right. I've got something I'd like to stick in a blender, but anyway. <laughs> Charlie, you shouldn't annoy her. <laughs> Leighton prefers that women speak only when spoken to. Uh, are you kidding? I don't even like that. Seen, not heard. Oh. Here. So you it's grew a- up in a, in a Catholic school. Tell us about the nuns. There are always good nun stories in Catholic <laughs> schools. Yeah, our um, headmistress was a nun, and the coolest nun we had at the school was a nun who rode a motorbike, and we all really, really 
thought she was awesome. Um, but no, the headmistress was a nun, and I remember when um, I when we we had our final year sort of exams and things, and I got ducks, and she came to me and she said, "Oh yes, and dear, and who were you?" And I thought, "Yeah, I've never been in trouble, so I haven't met you before." <laughs> so that was about. But um, yeah, we had, and I had nuns in primary school as well, um, who taught us. There was um, Sister Mary, somebody, and Sister Mary, somebody else, and Sister Mary, someone else. But um, yeah, and we had a priest come in. I remember once too, when I was an adolescent, to teach us about sex education. That was particularly special. Oh yeah, just well, who you need to teach you about sex education, priest. That that was fun. <laughs> Let me guess, uh, celibacy was a big part of the sex education. Abstinence. Well, oh, until marriage, yeah, and no contraception. Right. Although you could, although you could have sex naturally when you when you believed you were unable to conceive, but you couldn't use anything artificial to stop you conceiving. I wonder where they come up with I'll these worry. lines, you know. And I challenged him on that, and I said, oh, I'm not really sure what the philosophical difference is, because yeah. either way, and he's like, well, if there's always a chance you can conceive if you're not using contraception. And I've gone, yeah, but contraception fails, and that, that was the end of that. I think he just walked off, and I was going to help, so. <laughs> well, you seem, uh, see, I had a buddy in the military who was telling me, he went to uh, some sort of Catholic school himself. And uh, he was the big mouth kind, and so they used to take a Bible and shove it in his mouth, and he'd have to hold it in his mouth for like a half hour. I'm sure you got the same sort of treatment. Well, they actually didn't encourage any of us Catholic schoolgirls to shove anything in our mouths, Leighton. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just frightens me to know what else you were shoving in there. You weren't allowed to shove anything in your mouth except the Eucharist. Just the body of Christ, Leighton. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Oh, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure Christ enjoys being eaten. And that was only after you had your first communion. You couldn't do that before then. And you had to have your first confession before your first communion. Is that yeah. when the priest wound up in your bedroom? Yeah, yeah. How old were you at your first uh, confession? Um, I don't remember, but I think it was under 10. Like it would have been maybe 8 or 9 or something like that. So yeah, That's um, why you would have resembled a small boy at that point. The hell do you have to confess when you're 9 or 10? Well, you got to think. I had to think really, really hard, and you—you you actually ended up like I know because you know, you do other confessions after that. You don't just do one. You know, you have regular confession, and um, I remember having to think really hard. What am I going to say? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've sort of stayed up five minutes after my bedtime, or I, you know, um, didn't walk home from the milk bar the way I told my mum I was going to, or it was that sort of stuff. And then you get to the stage when we had this thing in chapel at school where you had to write down your sins on a piece of paper, and they were going to be burned. And people, you could tell everyone was looking around each other going, what's she written? Can I copy hers? And then that's a sin in itself, I guess. So I don't know. You just can't win. <laughs> <laughs> so God looks down on cheating off of other people's sins. <laughs> But you can't, like, you can't sort of go into into confession and say, "I don't think I've sinned," because Jesus is the only one without sin, you know. And you don't want to be all hoity-toity. I'm this little perfect sort of, you know. Um, so you've got to say something. So I think I know myself, and I know other. Oh, I assume other kids made stuff up. So yeah. And then you, because it's such because it's such a big thing, every little thing that you do that might be considered wrong all of a sudden becomes a sin. Cause that's all you've got to report. So you know. <laughs> It's like I thought about, um, I don't know, hitting my sister, so it's like that's all I've got, so I guess that must be a sin, so I'll say that. You should have said, well, I had oral sex with a 10-year-old boy. 
<laughs> then they would have been forced to say... Your face would have been like, and... Don't worry about that, Emma. That's not really a sin. We're here to talk about sins. <laughs> I was doing that before you showed up. <laughs> so you have to do a little confession about your, your little girl sins. This is and, like a recipe for res- repression, if I've ever heard it. Oh, it's great for your self-esteem. It's fantastic. Right. Yeah, well, Catholicism's all about the guilt, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a running joke with, you know, me and my friends that, you know, anything goes wrong in the world, it's like, oh, my fault, I'm a Catholic. Well, yeah. I was a Catholic. So, <laughs> it'd be, well, world hunger, my fault. Middle East, sorry. <laughs> um, so, now it's just that you're a woman, so. Yeah, well, you know, I ate an apple. What can I say? <laughs> Not only did you have it, but you force-fed it to us, really. You couldn't have just kept it to yourself. Yeah, we would still be in paradise without you. Yeah, well, sorry about that too, I guess. There's one more thing, it's my fault. (laughs) (laughs) You can add that to the list. Uh, I'm glad she's so agreeable. Uh, Most women would fight us on that. You can't, really. It's truth. It's the truth. You can't fight the truth, Leighton. It's in the Bible. It's written down. It must be true. Right. Mm. So um, then you go to communion. You eat your first flesh of Jesus. Mm. And... Did you ask which part of Jesus it was that you were eating? I really didn't want to know. <laughs> it's like a chicken it's just, it's nugget. It's the body Layton. of Christ. Yeah. It's just it's all, the body. It's all mashed together. It's not recognizable anymore. Like it's been put in a blender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would explain so much by your earlier comment. <laughs> so, you... Um, trying to... Catholicism isn't like Mormonism in that Mormonism, it's three hours a week on Sundays, plus, uh, what, a couple hours for family home evening, plus you got a bunch of callings as well. You guys have it easy, don't you? Just It's just an hour a week, isn't it? Yeah, church on Sunday, yeah. So that yeah. was, yeah, about an hour a week, yep. That's God a pretty, damn, I should have been raised Catholic. <laughs> that's a pretty minimal obligation. <laughs> I yeah, think... except that we've got things like Lent. I don't know oh, if you yeah, have that's right. an equivalent, um, but no. we've nope. got to give up something for Lent. So again, when you're little, it might be like, oh, I'll give up eating lollies or something, you know, like you haven't, I haven't really been adulterous or murdered anybody. So um, I guess I'll give up, yeah, lollies or whatever. And it's like, and I said to my mother once, what happens if I eat one? And she goes, well, you know, I mightn't know, but God will know. So, yeah. Right. So guilt again. I always yeah, thought that was a little strange because you've given up for what, like forty days, and then you go right back doing it. Well, it's like it's sort of. I think it's equivalent of sort of a sacrifice fasting thing, and then at the end you have Easter, you just gorge yourself stupid and celebrate <laughs> um, Jesus rising from the dead. So, so let's say yeah, I was on land, no sex, and then just have orgies right afterwards. So, uh, I'm liking this Lent thing, except for the forty-day thing. Yeah, you'd have to give it up for forty days. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty simple since I've never actually had a woman. So well, you'd have to tie your hand to the. Well, bed I was going to say there's a difference between voluntarily giving it up and not having it available. <laughs> <laughs> Does that include rubber women? Because this blow-up doll, it, it, it's giving me the eye. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> <laughs> so my well, theory I'm on sure I could float on that thing. <laughs> my theory on that whole thing is that. <laughs> It's it is uh, directly proportional to the stupidity of the proposition. So Catholicism is is fairly stupid, and so you're you're forced an hour a week and forty days for Lent. 
Mormonism is gigantically stupid, and so you're forced to give up nearly your entire life. Then, when the doubts inevitably come, you're faced with a proposition, God, I wasted nearly half my life in Mormonism. Do I really want to give it up? And you feel like a total moron. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those propositions where you're like, I was a jackass for even believing in this, and I'm fucked for giving up that much time. I mean, Right, I can't give it up now. My whole life would have been wasted. Yeah, that's a logical fallacy, Charlie. Anyway, um, <laughs> it wasn't like that for me. <laughs> Lay off the logical fallacies, man. Um, it wasn't like that for me. I sort of got to a stage where I just, it was more I felt hypocritical and I felt like I was almost being, I hate to use the R word, disrespectful um, to other people who did have faith. That it was, And it was more about going through, like being seen to do the right thing and going through the rituals and the traditions as opposed to actually believing it or feeling it and so as long as you went to church on Sunday you were you know for my impression was I was being a good Catholic now I could sit there and think about whatever um, but if I didn't go to church that was bad so I you know and I felt like well I shouldn't really be here because I don't believe this is a house of God and then you think do I take communion because I don't really believe it's the body of Christ and if I don't everyone looks at me like what's wrong with her and if I do then I'm being you know almost insulting everybody else here so I sort of got to that stage of whatever you did you may not have been seen in a good light but by the time I was in my teenagehood um, there were cute boys who I knew were going to church so that was you know a reason to go but that was really the only reason to go and because it was like what you did as a family it was like right we're going to church so you had doubts pretty early on um, probably adolescence, yeah. Oh, not so much doubts. I just didn't get it. I didn't feel it. I didn't get it. It just didn't... I, there was no no need for it, no room for it in what I was seeing. Like, things that went well for me were because I was working hard, like, worked my ass off in school, got really good marks. And then other things that were really shitty in the world, like earthquakes and famines and whatever, were science, nature, random, whatever. I just didn't have, you know, um, a place for it. And I just... That I just logically, and I guess I've got a, a more scientific kind of mind, I just couldn't reconcile what I was being told and what I was seeing with what the doctrine was. I just, I just, I never got it. I never really got it. And because you introduce so young, you know, you can't understand those abstract high level concepts about things like this is the body of Christ, you know, or this is original sin, you know, they're just, an eight year old can't, you know, neurologically can't grasp that stuff and then when you, by the time you get to the stage where you can for me that was like well how can I be born a sinner I just don't I don't get it and how can pouring water over my head take that away I just didn't get it so maybe I'm just as stupid as Leighton I don't know no did, one can be as stupid as Leighton yeah I was gonna say did it ever occur to you that the problem was are you, you? shitting me <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a pattern with all the fates that I've been with. It's always I'm I'm the constant. So maybe it's me. Um, look, yeah. other people, you know, are Christians, Catholics. They love it. They believe it. They follow it. Best of luck to them. I don't have a problem. That's if it, if they, you know, if that's what they believe and that supports them and helps them through life, go for it. But I just, yeah, I just didn't get it. I was more interested in going to science class than I was with going to chapel until things started happening like the Americans bombing Tripoli, then we all ran our asses down there. <laughs> we didn't want to die of radiation poisoning from nuclear war. But apart from that, um, but then again, that was selfish to pray for something that you wanted. So you should pray for other people. You shouldn't pray for what you want. So what you're telling me is it was really your parents' fault that you fell away because they actually uh, 
allowed you away from your cooking classes to go to science classes? Well, you know, you still got to look at foods, you know, chemicals and stuff in science class. So, yeah, never actually did home ec, Leighton. No. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, Leighton, you're confusing uh, Catholic upbringing with Mormon upbringing. The Mormon upbringing for women is that you need to be able to satisfy your man, and uh, that really requires domestic uh, skills. Catholics, I'm, I'm not sure that's, that it's all about food. It's all about I There was a, a woman uh, a little while ago who kept trying to, uh, I guess, date me, and every time I would tell her that I wasn't interested, she would make me food. I mean, we're talking huge meals, gourmet meals. And this happened uh, on about five different occasions where I would sit her down and say, look, it's not going to work out, and she would bake me a huge meal. That's, that's just <laughs> that's Mormon really culture. That's really funny because uh, one, of, one of the things that got my husband and I together was our mutual love of eating, of living out of cans of food. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, or uh, yeah. frozen burritos. I hope, le- I hope those have... I guess you've got, to have one, you've, got to, you've got to have one small thing in your life that you're not particularly good at, so I guess that's it for me. Wow, she's got uh, a bit of an ego just like us. She just said that she wasn't good at it. Well, just the one thing. Oh. The rest of the... <laughs> yeah, way to pay attention, Charlie. I'm, I'm glad you're awake here. She's um, she's being humble, Leighton. <laughs> so you're saying she could cook the Have shit Have you heard that word it's... before? Do you know how to pronounce it? <laughs> no, no. It's uh, probably with an A, so I'd say humble. Oh, Lord. All right. So you graduated from Catholic school... And, um, good Lord, you went into college uh, at the express disapproval of every Catholic on earth. Now, hold on a second. Before we move into your college, what was the absolute strangest thing that happened to you while you were going through uh, your little Catholic school? In regards to Catholicism? Yeah. Yeah, in regards to the whole, (laughs) I mean, priest thing. Well, see, it's, it's kind of fascinating to me because I, living in the LDS protected community that I did... I didn't run across a nun or a monk until I was living in Belforte, Italy, and I saw this monk go walking by, and I was just completely flabbergasted that they actually existed. So that's how just sheltered Mm. my life was concerning Catholicism. Oh, there were a couple of funny things. Um, We had religious education class at school, given that it was a Catholic school, and we were introduced to other religions. Um, But from what I recall, and this may be a biased recall, but it was more about here are these other ones that aren't quite as good as what we are. Um, and we had to do like a group present, had to choose another religion and do a group presentation on it. And I remember, and I don't know if this was a conscious decision or not, but we chose um, an Eastern religion that had some kind of, I don't know, a thing in there about if a wife was adulterous or something that they could burn her alive or something like that. Um, it, was an in, it was a religion from India, I don't know. And so we were sort of thinking, oh, you know, we're going to get brownie points for doing this because we're sort of saying, you know, look at these heathens compared to Catholics. And um, <laughs> But then we realised that our uh, religious education teacher was an Indian woman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have chosen that one. Nice. Um, but anyway, so that was quite funny. Oh, but there were other ones like um, we also got the thing about, you know, if because I don't know how old, I can't remember what the Bible says about how old Mary was when um, she became, or she was impregnated, in inverted commas, with Jesus. But um, 
we got the thing about, you know, if, if you were a 16-year-old and God came to you and said, you know, will you have my, you know, bear my son as a saviour of the world, what would you say? And I'm like, I'd run as fast as I fucking could in the other direction. <laughs> you can't really say that at the time. Um, so, oh, and then we also got the thing, the abortion lesson, which was, you know, you, okay, this is a scenario, 16-year-old unmarried mother, pregnant, nowhere to live, you know, no money, shunned by people, you know, should she have an abortion? Then the punchline is, what if Mary was the mother and the baby was Jesus? Right, you mm. said, yeah. well, it doesn't make a difference. She still should have aborted him. <laughs> the, the, the abortion just wouldn't have taken. <laughs> yeah. Don't they use the same thing with, like, uh, Beethoven or something? Well, you remember yeah, it was on the... the uh, yeah. Yeah, it was child. on the Jack yeah. Chick track. Do you remember that, Leighton? About oh, uh, yeah, that is right. That's right. That's why I'm thinking Beethoven. And I also remember, too, that just, just the wording of some of the prayers and things, like luckily the Latin Mass had gone by the time I went through school, but um, some of the wording, I just didn't... It's like, you know, when you mishear song lyrics for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden you realise what it really is. Like in some of the prayers and hymns, things like, Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And I'm sitting there going... Jesus, like, what's fruit got to do with this? I just didn't understand what that was all about, and I'm like, he's a little why gay. Is, why is he being called fruit? Surrounded himself by twelve slope. men. Fabulous. Slept, <laughs> slept with them in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, that would explain why he was bleeding from every pore. <laughs> wow. The, the original translation was uh, bleeding from every orifice. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Got corrupted well, he's, ho- he's holy, so there you go. <laughs> Duh. So, so you graduated from Catholic school. What prompted yeah. you to go to college after all the Catholic teaching, you know, telling you not to get a higher education? No, I don't remember actually being like it was. It was a, a funny sort of situation because it, where I went to school, there was a very strong emphasis on educating girls and having intelligent, you know, um, educated women. That wasn't an issue where I went to school. It was. Um, it wasn't really part of the teaching about Catholicism. It, uh, I mean, there, we did have textbooks and things that did refer to, you know, sort of your place in the kitchen and you know supporting your husband and those sorts of things, which my mother and I just thought were just abominations and hilarious, and she was <laughs> horrified that that was being taught to me Excellent. in the 80s. Um, but no, that wasn't really part of it. So I, yeah, I, I got top marks in the school, and so I just thought. Like I think almost everyone who could went on to university after, after school. But I think there was, if you had good enough marks, that's what that was. What you did, that was normal. So that was that part of it was fine. Hmm. Now, did, how did how did they present evolution in the eighties in Catholic <laughs> school? How was that um, approached? Again, I don't really remember, but I know that when I was growing up, I really, really, really wanted to be a paleontologist. So it must have been presented. Um, and I look. <sighs> The school I went to, those sorts of things like, um, you know, creationism and all those sorts of things weren't, I think they acknowledged that we were basically going to find out that all that stuff was crap. And um, But also, we had to pass our HSC or Year 12 or whatever, I don't know what you guys call it, exams in biology and science. Like, I did biology, geography. Um, so, there were going to be questions about that kind of stuff. So... They had to teach it to us, and I don't remember. Like in religious education classes, they may have referred to like Genesis or those sorts of things, but we definitely had science classes. And I guess because I wanted to be a paleontologist, then 
I must have known about evolution and it must have been something that was taught to us. So, so, so is it fair to say that outside of a few bizarre things that they taught you, it was a fairly normal and, and maybe even a decent education that you got? Look, I think it was a decent intellectual education, but the fact that there were those underlying things about, you know, going to confession, going to chapel, um, having your religious education classes, things like dress code, just attitudes that were uh, maybe in things like assemblies or masses and those sorts of things that were definitely there um, that did affect you. But I think, uh, in a way, I also think they wanted us to get the school they wanted the school to get good results in terms of um, the the girls who were graduating so I think they sort of did both it's a bit of it is a bit of a blur it was a long it was almost 20 years oh, it was 20 years ago so yeah sounds like a sort of nudge nudge wink wink education learn this but uh, don't worry it's not true you just needed to pass tests yeah, I, th- I think it. I think it was more the underlying sort of. Even though we're going to teach you these things that are uh, sort of recognised as facts or things you need to know, um, you still need to follow. You know these principles and these morals and these um, rituals and those sorts of. So it was. It was more that way in terms of, as a as an emerging Catholic woman, um, we want you to be educated. With it, but we still want you to behave and believe this way. So it was a sort yeah. of a bit of both. Catholics have been burned before on that uh, whole science thing. You know, in the I don't think it happened in the eighties, but maybe in the nineties they apologized to Galileo about four hundred years after they screwed him over. Yeah, souls. Um, <laughs> Oops, our bad. Yeah, yeah, we were wrong yeah, about that's that. Right. Um, so, so they're a little more cautious, I think, than the Protestants or the Evangelicals or the Mormons, even, because they haven't had that, you know, very obvious um, burned on, on. They haven't been obviously burned on science, like yeah, the Catholics have. Yeah, but I also think I had the influence of my family, as I said, who were Catholic. But I also was raised largely in my adolescence just by my mum. So. I had a, a very strong female independent role model there who really didn't accept if I came home and said, I oh, guess what I got told today, she'd just go, bullshit. <laughs> um, so, but then again, she'd take me to mass and all those sorts of things. So I think, again, she was quite levelling. Um, and I think I owe a lot of that to her in terms of, um, if I think if she had been very, very um, strictly orthodox Catholic or whatever, then I'm, it may have been a bit different for me. So I had that as a, um, and I think potentially, I can't speak for her, but potentially her faith may have been shaken a bit about by what happened in her life as well. So I can't speak for her, but um, yeah. Can you go into that? What happened in her life that might have shaken her faith? Oh, no, just, um, I guess just like I was saying before, you know, I don't want to go into it in detail, but things that happen in life that aren't pleasant um, that are apparently no matter how hard you pray or how how much you go to church or how many commandments you follow or that sort those sorts of things you know those things happen to you whereas someone else who can be a total asshole bitch whatever can still go to church on Sunday and you know they're fine it's kind of so I think it's just again that sort of disconnect logic between well I'm not really sure what what this is about and you know how long do you do those things for how long do you suffer for how long do you sacrifice for um and does the fact that you're inherently a good person and other people have been potentially 
not as good to you and they're, you know, off having a good time. That, I mean, for me, that was definitely something that affected my my faith in terms of that. I'm just like, well, what the hell is this all about? Like, you know. So, so you wanted to be a paleontologist until you mm. found out that the world was only 6,000 years old. That kind yeah. of shot that down. <laughs> until I found out I couldn't do maths. <laughs> 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 they wouldn't let me in a science course. <laughs> so, um yeah, but no, I, don't, I actually never, ever remember being taught that stuff. Like, we went through Genesis and all those sorts of things, but it was more sort of like the miracle of creation. But then I don't remember being told after that that, you know, by oh, P.S., you know, we've only been around for 6,000 years. So, And I, by, and I was getting mum to get me books about, you know, um, fossils and dinosaurs. And I think the first toy I ever made for myself was a trilobite that I pulled along the carpet and it had staples in it so it would jump along the carpet. So. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was about six, so that started pretty early. So what what did you end up studying in in uh, at university? Speech pathology. Oh, speech language pathology. You'd call it over there. What drew you to that rather than uh, something interesting like uh, medicine? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I actually didn't think I could handle the stress and the hours of medicine. I was too lazy. Um, but um, I was really interested in languages and really interested in science so I thought it was a good combination so I um, got to do anatomy and physiology and all those sorts of things but also look at communication which is a quite a passion of mine so yeah that's what I ended up doing gotcha. well, at, Do they teach you point? that um, the languages all evolved from one super uber language uh, and they were separated at the Tower of Babel about 4,000 Yeah that's what I did ago. my PhD on actually <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we've got uh, Kent Hovind here. Maybe we should have you send us your dissertation. Kendra Hovind. Kendra Hovind, there we go. Hello, my name is Kendra Hovind. <laughs> I would like um, to talk about the linguistics of the Tower of Babel. That, that's perfect. God did it. Done. Oh, God, no, but I, fantastic. I also think, um, and I don't know, Charlie, or sorry, Chuck, I'm used to hearing you called Charlie by Leighton. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a bastard, isn't he? Kiss my ass. Such anyway, a bastard um, that she agreed to come on because of me, so kiss my ass. That's right, it's all because of you. <laughs> Thank you very much. It all goes back to that Hamble word you were talking about. Are you shitting me? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Uh, oh, I was talking to Charlie speech. about um, about um, faith and 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 being a health professional. That um, I think as I've gone through my career, I've just had that reinforced in terms of the people that you see and the absolute tragedy and challenge and loss that they go through, and they're incredibly good, decent, you know, people that have fought in wars and raised families and worked. 20 hours a day until they're 75 to support their families and gone to church and done all that sort of stuff and they're sitting in front of you and they can't talk and they can't walk and they can't go to the toilet by themselves and they've never smoked and all and you just sort of again for me I just yeah like you, were say, like you say about evil in the world I just yeah I, I couldn't see a place for for the faith I was raised in in that sort of situation. What well, did your yeah. mother react at all when uh, when you finally came out and said, "Mom, I just can't believe in this stuff"? I mean, she was taking you to mass, even though she was a very independent woman. 
Well, I never really came out, so to speak. I think I just left home when I finished uni and just didn't go to church anymore. And by the time I was at uni, I was in my early 20s and stuff. So, um, Or uni's college, by the way. Um, so I just, yeah, it was just sort of a gradual kind of thing where I think she just sort of realised that I was over it and I was an adult now and I could do what I wanted and... You know, so it wasn't a it wasn't a huge big thing in my family at all, which I'm very very lucky about. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty rare, I would imagine, because the, the yeah. parents have so much invested in their children, uh, especially if they really strongly believe. I think it's a there's like a personal insult or disappointment to them. When yeah, both don't. Charlie and I have made our mothers cry by not believing. So, oh, but I all, but in context, I'm the youngest of four children, and I'm ten years below the next one to me. And um, so you were an were, accident. I was a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying God came down to your mother? The official, much later the official and... line from the parents is, "I was a miracle." <laughs> you were immaculately conceived. As Charlie would say, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so there were a couple of kids before me who had gone through that process that I think may have potentially been a bit more traumatic for my parents, but I think by the time I got to me, they were just like, this is what happens, you know. Well, so. that's true. Um, I was the first in my family, still am the only atheist in my family. Is that the same for you, Leighton? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, among the natural-born children, uh, a lot of the adopted children, uh, once they were either thrown out or left the house, uh, they instantly went away from the church. Uh, I was the only one, and still am, the only one of the natural-born children who have walked away, and not only walked away, but kind of told them all that they're all crazy for believing in it because they refuse to do the research into their own church. Yeah, so ours probably stung a little bit more than you. Someone else had paved the way for you. Yeah. Whereas, whereas yeah, we're the trailblazers in our family. Isn't that right, Leighton? Uh, well, once again, she's a woman, and we can't expect <laughs> her to stand on her own two feet. She had to follow like she normally does. Le- you, know what, you know where I want to stand? You're making me angry. Lie down. I to stand on you. <laughs> oh, is this going to be one of those massages where you walk up and down my back? No, it's one of those Hindu Muslim things that you were talking about last the other week. <laughs> so Upanasha did. <laughs> <laughs> now, Emma, yeah, you're a, you're an expert in speech pathology. Could you please diagnose Leighton? I have privately, but I won't publicly. <laughs> what is the complete inability to use the English language or pronounce any sort of uh, it's word language. over two syllables? What's that diagnosis? I, I have some theories, but I don't want to say them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like good to do Lord. some more assessment. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, okay with a little cool. assessment. Come on over. <laughs> the, the, that was one time. The time time zone difference is a little prohibitive on that. <laughs> do you want me to tell you some more funny stories about my uh, sacraments? I'm interested. Yes. Now. <laughs> okay. Yes, we are. First communion. Um, so, yeah, first communion is, well, you have your first confession, which is when, again, my mum and dad got the uh, priest to come over and sit on my bed, in my bedroom with me, which was, yeah, really appropriate. And then um, you have your first communion, and so you have to you buy, the really exciting thing for me was that I got to buy the nice white frilly dress. So you have to buy a nice white frilly lacy dress and a veil, 
and um, so again you go to church and there's a priest and 30 or so prepubescent girls dressed up like brides oh right and um, and so you have your first communion and again didn't understand much about it except we got a party afterwards but the thing that really pissed me off was the Italian girls in my class all had these little bag things that were hanging off their wrists and they got money oh yeah yeah that's uh, that's pretty uh, regular I was over at a wedding over in Italy and yeah they stuffed those things full of cash yeah they all got money and stuff and I'm sitting there going what the fuck like all I got was a set of rosary beads and this crappy prayer book that was you know a5 size white vinyl cover with gold writing on the front or something and I'm like why aren't why aren't I getting any money I was really annoyed by that but we had a party afterwards so yeah um, so that was pretty interesting so, so it's a, and then a when priest do, and a bunch of uh, young prepubescent girls dressed up as brides girls. That's, what you that should is be asking. quite possibly the creepiest thing I've ever heard in my yeah. life and what you that, should be asking is what those safe. girls had to do for the money Ugh, wow. th- that rivals the um, uh, bathing suit competitions in the southern United States, you know, the, oh, the, the six-year-old beauty oh. pageant contest. Absolutely. Yeah. That is that is creepy as hell. And this That's is done, funny. this is just part of the Catholic religion. Well, like I said, for me, this was over 20, oh gosh, probably 30 years ago now. Um, but so I assume it still is. But um, looking back, like at the time for me, it was just, yeah, I get a nice frilly white dress and a veil and I get to sort of dress up like a grown-up kind of thing and get a party afterwards. Um, Do the boys but, dress up as little grooms? <laughs> no, they still had the white dress. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a lot of those boys in them frills with a, the little veil. There's been a few in there, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, all-girls school, so I don't know. The priest just had the, you know, 30 or so, eight, nine-year-old girls there. So, yeah, a bit creepy. The, the boys uh, had a different type of party laden. I'm sure they did, dressed up in those white frilly dresses. I still got to eat the body of Christ, though, for the first time. <laughs> well, uh, I, I no, little I Johnny. The... realized why Jesus does this. <laughs> the wafer doesn't go in the mouth, little Johnny. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, then when you're early teens, 13 or 14 or so, you have your confirmation, which is sort of like a confirmation of your faith. I'm not really sure what it means, but um, that's sort of, I guess it's meant for you, now that you're a bit older, you may have some kind of inkling about what's meant to be going on with your faith, that you sort of go, yeah, all right. And you have classes, um, which I know nothing, remember nothing about, um, except for you take a confirmation name. So you add another name. So um, mine was Hannah, which was Mary's mother, because I actually thought she must have been an awesome woman because she's got her daughter coming her, coming to her saying, um, Mum, I've got something to tell you. Um, I know I'm not married and I'm a virgin and that, but apparently um, this angel told me I'm pregnant and the baby's like the son of God or actually is God. And I could just imagine Hannah going, right. Uh, so sure. I took the that. Mom, the mom goes, well, that sounds plausible. God yeah, yeah I'll babysit. I'm grandma. I'll babysit. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'll so I took Hannah, and then, but the thi- I'm, what the the one thing again I remember about that is that we had we had these classes and we had to make a candle, and we cut the bottom off a milk carton and put wax in it, and we had these silver um, dove stamps, which were Holy Spirit kind of stamps, and I was so like anal and precise in making this candle. It was perfect. It was the best candle ever made in the whole universe. 
And what they did was they put them on this table in the church. So you go down the middle of the church, the priest says or does something, I can't remember what, and then you go off to the side and you pick up your candle and walk off. Now, by the time I got down there, because they did it in alphabetical order and my maiden name started with W, so I was always near the end, I'm there with the priest and looking over the table, where's my candle? Where's my candle? There's only shit-ass, piss-out candles left on there. Someone stole your candle? Some bitch... <laughs> who went me, picked up this awesome candle that I'd spent hours perfecting and so I'm walking off with this crappy asymmetrical dove, you know, half off the side candle and everyone's thinking, you know, she can't make a candle for shit. And that's the only thing I remember about the whole day, just being really pissed off that some bitch stole my candle. That I can whore. imagine you at that table going, oh no, she didn't. It's just goes to show how, for me, totally futile this whole thing was. Like, I have no recollection of the spiritual, faith-based meaning of this whole thing. <laughs> All I remember is that someone so you, stole my candle. You sat like, there that's it. you worked your ass off on this candle. I did. Perfecting and, the little angel. No, the some, Holy Spirit dove. Some but, Italian yeah. whore came over to swipe <laughs> your candle. <laughs> And she probably got given money as well. Probably got paid. For it. <laughs> <laughs> All I got was a pissant dicky candle. Yeah, <laughs> you got some waxy lump on a milk carton with a little dove probably swimming. But I confirmed my faith, so that was the main thing, I guess. <laughs> so there's communion, there's confirmation. Is there anything else in Catholicism, oh, or is that pretty much it? There's baptism, which I don't remember much about, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's when you get your you get your um, original sin cleansed or whatever, and um, you get your godparents as well. So they're the people that are meant to sort of, I guess, train you up in the faith, but also look after you if your parents die. So yeah. that was sort of reinforced me when I was little too, and that scared the crap out of me. I'm like, what? My parents might die. <laughs> so um, that was nice. I mean, yeah, there was baptism, first confession. First communion, confirmation, and then I guess um, I didn't get married in a church again because I had no desire to and felt like a total hypocrite. Um, and then there's your last rites, I think, So, which I don't think I'll be I'm partaking in those either. It's a bit late then. Well, <laughs> if you're I'm going go to hell, hell, I'm already going. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hell. Uh, you'll, oh, yeah. you'll have us down there. So we'll I keep... ate a lolly during Lent. <laughs> no hope. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't even go 40 days without a lolly. Uh, Talk about the willpower here. I can understand why she wasn't able to do it in medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Always takes the easy way out. So did your faith... Was there any one uh, other than those horrible tragedies that occurred to you uh, in Catholic school? Was there any one uh, area that really kind of sent you over the edge? No, I don't think so. I think it was just a gradual accumulation of evidence against it. And like I said, I just, I never felt the burning in the bosom or whatever you guys talk about. Um, not in regards to that anyway. Um, yeah, I just thought, obviously there were people around me who, you know, were really into it and felt it and just got joy and out of the whole Jesus, God, faith kind of thing. But I also, at the t- I also saw it. And again, this might be a bit harsh, and I'm not saying that people have faith are like this, but I saw it as a bit of a cop-out in terms of just being able to say, well, whatever I do, there's someone who loves me, and and I'll go to heaven if I repent, and there's always going to be someone there who will support me, and, 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 and I just, what I had been through in the world did not demonstrate that to me, and... 
I had got on fine just putting my head down and my bum up and sucking it up and getting over it and getting on with life. Um, so I just, again, I just didn't see a space for it or a, a requirement for it. So that was that was really what it was. Um, and like I said, I, I still have friends who are extremely devout and it's, it's just not an issue. We, we like each other's company. We like each other's sense of humour. We have common interests. They go about their business. I go about mine. It's, it's, it's just not an issue. But, um, yeah, I just... Yeah, I just never got it. I just never felt it, never got it, didn't see a, a reason for it or a necessity for it or or even just how it could be, how something that happened potentially that long ago or whatever could affect my life now and the science that we had explained so many things, I just didn't need it, really. Have you ever considered Mormonism? <laughs> yes, uh, we would like to discuss the burning in your bosom at this point. <laughs> Now, I, I'm kind of curious. Now, uh, this this question pops up because I was talking to my mother earlier, and she's still convinced that she's going to find me a woman. I'm going to do it properly. Um, but at any rate, um, uh, my mother has always been of the belief that uh, if you have sex before you get married, you lose the ability to love. And this is what sends yeah, people whatever. down. Do what? Yeah, whatever. That's true. <laughs> That's, That's true, true. Layton. Yes, I, I, I realize it's true, but this is her belief, is that after you lose the ability to love, that's when you start experimenting, and that's why people go gay. And I, I kid you not, this is what oh, I was raised Layton, to believe. Are you me? I am are not you shitting me? Yeah, Leighton, that's been clinically proven. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it has. Now, uh, Emma, I'm, I'm sure you have studied this in depth, uh, but uh, the curious thought I have is I, I grew up being taught this shit. As a matter of fact, Leighton uh, has been diagnosed as clinically gay. Yes, yes, but that's just because I enjoy sodomy with a character. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is the definition of clinically gay. <laughs> yeah, you just need a carrot. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but I'm leading somewhere here. So I, I was actually raised believing that this is how people turned gay. And of course, it, it raised that it was an abomination. And so I, I have to ask, how were you raised in this Catholic church, raised Catholic and all, what was the discussions that went on where gay people were concerned? I actually don't think it was an issue, funnily enough. Obviously, we weren't Catholic enough, maybe. Um... May it may not have just been something that was discussed. I mean, this was, I guess, when I was a teenager in the eighties. Maybe it wasn't coming out, but I, oh, in my family, I think it was okay. But I did have a friend who said that um, AIDS was God's way of, you know, clearing the world of homosexuals, or sort of like the Drano for the uh, for the world, clearing out the homosexuals. Um, well, it missed but I, it missed all the lesbians, unfortunately. <laughs> Thank God for that. God, God's a big fan. <laughs> Isn't that I thought he was an ass man. <laughs> Sorry, ass man. Um, yeah, yeah. For, uh, look, I, again, I hate to disappoint you, but I don't. It wasn't really an issue, and I, I think, as I said, I think maybe as I was uh, coming to question things, perhaps my family again may have been too. My memories of what happened when I was a lot younger, like baby and um, under 10, are, 
aren't very I mean I think we were a lot more religious then but as I said I think sort of things happened in the world and in life that maybe made quite a, a lot of my family question how devout they were or how important things like sitting in a church for an hour a week was as opposed to actually how you lived your life so yeah I'd imagine looking back in my junior high and high school days it just I think it's considered too impolite a topic uh, at mm. least it was back in the 80s to well, talk about not for my family <laughs> really I my family didn't talk about it was just kind of a taboo subject it was just assumed that it was wrong, and I don't think we ever had any lectures on it. And I certainly didn't hear anything about it at school. But you were homeschooled, Leighton, so I guess that's a little different. Well, I was only homeschooled for about two years. That but, explains uh, a lot. Yeah, actually. yeah. even that affected me beyond belief. But <laughs> no, no, actually this, this was brought up in family home evening and personal discussions. I mean... In my family, and I'm not sure if this is just the regular LDS experience of just my family, but uh, it was brought up quite prevalently, and that was the excuse for any sort of gay behavior was they've lost the ability to love. I was going to say, I also think maybe being in an all-girl Catholic school, the only time that the issue of boys was raised was don't go there. Um, so perhaps, you know, it wasn't sort of something that the nuns thought, okay, let's now talk about male homosexuality and maybe female homosexuality probably didn't even exist. So um, let's not talk about that. But it may have been a, a symptom of the times as well, like in the 80s, and this could be really superficial and, and stupid, but, you know, you had like culture club and that kind of thing that we were all into <laughs> and it was just something that was there. And it was all, I think... We were also into into that side of things that probably I would assume my pair or my mum would have thought there's no point. Like seriously, <laughs> this is just everywhere, and yeah, there's no point. How so, old were you when they when they uh, first discussed sexual education in Catholic oh schools? I don't remember when they first discussed it, but I remember it being discussed around about year nine, so maybe fifteen, sixteen. I think that's a year or two 14, after. 15. Yeah. A year or two after uh, it was discussed, it for may have us. been before. Yeah, it may have been before that, but that's when I remember the priest coming in to talk to us about it. And actually, and I, just, I think yeah, we had the opportunity, to yeah, to, to discuss it in the sixth grade, which would have been I don't know, ten or eleven maybe. Uh, but yeah. our parents, my parents, refused to sign the <laughs> permission slip. And I know yeah. in science, in science classes, we got like education about the reproductive right. system and that sort of stuff. But I what don't did know. they tell you essentially about sex ed? Did they tell you about the ovulation cycle, or yep. uh, they did? Yeah, I remember having a um, a handout on the menstrual cycle, and I put bi in front of it, so it was a menstrual bicycle. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and that would have been about um, thirteen, fourteen. So, so they told you essentially they instructed you how to have sex via the rhythm method. Yeah. Well, see, it's kind of funny is that now. Works? Yeah. <laughs> this this whole uh, discussion on sex is funny to me because I mean, as Charlie said, uh, we had it in school. Uh, I think I was in the seventh grade when I had it, and instead of taking the piece of paper home, I just forged my mom's signature. But. Uh, <laughs> Now, uh, my brother, Sean, who we have had on the show, I recall shortly after he got married to his wife, he was actually very upset with my parents because uh, they had not talked to him about it. 
And his exact words were, he didn't know what to do. And I'm sorry, but I, I don't think there's there's too much you can do that. <laughs> so I mean, that, that's that was a complaint in my family, uh, at least where my brother Sean was concerned, is that it wasn't discussed at all. And so I guess Sean just stood there, going, "Why is it standing up, and where should I put it?" Oh my God! <laughs> I kid you not. That was. This is an actual quote from Sean. He's like, I didn't know what to do. And he was very upset that my parents hadn't talked about sexual education. So he essentially wanted an instruction manual from his dad. All right, son. This uh, this position is especially, I found personally, especially pleasing. <laughs> well, I, think, I think we had the anatomy and we had basically, yeah, this is the cycle. So this is when you're you know, supposedly infertile, and um, but don't do it. I think that was about it. Did they discuss the missionary position versus the Catholic priest position? We gave money to missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should ask why you were giving money to them. <laughs> but no, I don't recall that, no. I'm, a, I'm out of questions, Leighton. <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking about Sean and uh, about my dad saying, okay, when you grab her by the hair from behind... <laughs> just like her sister and hold up. and that's that's right now the only thing going through my mind and I'm trying not to laugh alright Sean I want you to smack her ass like this give me your honey now Sean bend over I'm going to use they should have a family home evening uh, a how to family home evening on sex Okay, I, I got to get that image of Sean out of my <laughs> I can't think of anything else to tell you. So it seems like uh, your Catholic upbringing, you don't seem bitter at all about it. Uh... No, oh, no, no, no. Like, I know my parents had the best intentions at heart. That was how they were raised. And I think they actually, or oh, my mum anyway, who I was mostly raised with as a teen, did I think really adapt to the times and as I said was a very independent strong kind of woman so I had a good balance there but I know some of the stuff we went through at school was just like are you kidding me like um, no I'm not bitter about it uh, uh, it wasn't it wasn't looking back on it it, it wasn't really traumatic it was just if anything it was sort of amusing and it sounds like you were pretty well prepared to separate the bullshit from the useful stuff from an early age. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know, again, like other people, uh, like in terms of, say, the church as, as such or whatever, I know people get a lot of support and community and friendship and those sorts of things from the church. So I think it serves a great function that way. But um, all the stuff about, you know, sinning and hell and, you know, damnation and all that kind of stuff, I just don't really see a purpose for that as um the only thing, thing the, the purpose it serves is to scare the shit out of little kids which i just don't really see why you'd want to do that did you ever have any retreats where you'd spend oh, like yes. a, a yes, weekend we have retreats. Oh, yeah you couldn't talk for two that. days yeah huh? that's when they'd really scare you right they'd tell you all these horror stories on these retreats horror not poor. <laughs> he tells stories on retreats. She's a speech pathologist. Even you're going to get it. <laughs> so they'd tell no, you no, a bunch you... of horror stories. Horror. Yeah, um, horror. Um, <laughs> but the main thing I remember about 
the retreats is that we you went for a day or two and you weren't allowed to talk for the whole two days. Oh god! And they showed you videos, and I can't. One of the videos, from what I recall, was like some LSD trip kind of thing. I don't know, but um. Yeah, that was the main thing I remember is that you couldn't talk and my friends and I try and work out how to communicate with each, with each other through sort of sign language stuff and, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. So they'd you make to, you take little vows of silence. It was for contemplation oh, and reflection. Now, wait, wait, how old were you when they expected you to be quiet? Oh, gee, I don't know. It, would have, it probably would have been early teens, I'd say, like 13, maybe something like that. They would have had a better chance of parting the waters and walking. Well, they're just like you. Women should just be quiet and pretty. Exactly. Well, I understand they're trying to teach well, that, right. but you teach it at a much earlier age. At the a teenage girl being quiet, that's that's impossible. Layton, yeah. did you ever go to the firesides or the little oh, youth retreats God. of the Mormonism? I, I never did those. I was, I never went to any of them. But I, well, you're you're talking about my family here, where I was actually forced to go to them. So I mean, uh, you'd you'd be in church for three hours. Then you would uh, come home, and your parents would say, "Okay, there's a fireside tonight. You have to go." And then you have to go back and listen to these dumbass speakers talk for another hour and a half to two hours. And most of the time, there wasn't even donuts afterwards to feed you. See, this is my favorite part about these uh, religions. That's that is, I think, where they're going to lose a paddle eventually. Old people, you know, they're afraid of death. Blah blah blah. Young people, if they don't make it more interesting. They're they're gonna die. They're just gonna go extinct. These the religions are just going to die out. You um reminded me too. We went on Christian Living Camp as well Ugh. with an all with an all boy Catholic school. So oh, hot you can damn. imagine how you can imagine how spiritual that was. So essentially, that's where you lost your virginity. Uh, moving on. I'm sorry, that was it. They put like a whole group of teenage girls and teenage boys from same-sex schools together for a week or something, and it's meant to be a spiritual reflection experience. How old were you? How old were you at this time? It would have been been adolescence, like 14, 15. So you lost your virginity like four years ago to that priest in the bedroom, so... That horse. <laughs> he prepared you, and so did Christ later on as Christ's body was entering you. That's, That's right. ship and sail. first confession is a euphemism for... Uh... <laughs> That's where you get your real sex education. <laughs> yes, I know. So all I remember about Christian Living Camp is, um, oh, there were some fun things that we did, but there was a, like one boy that I was lusting after the whole time. That, again, really is all I remember. Well, that gives you more fodder for your confessional, your next confessional. Forgive, yeah. me, forgive me, Father, I committed the sin of lust for 72 straight hours at your Christian youth camp. <laughs> when I was a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> Funny about that. <laughs> um, well, there were things that went around, um, just us girls, you know, those sort of urban myth kind of things. Uh, I mean, probably, again, probably the worst thing was the thing about, you know, if you if you were approached by God, would you have his baby and and the whole Jesus abortion thing? They're probably the the things, the worst things that were like told to you by teachers or priests or nuns or those sorts of things. But the other things that went around were more sort of that kind of urban myth kind of story. And I, I can't, I'm just trying to think of any specific ones, but um. I'd want to make sure God was clean of any STDs. He's been sleeping around, clearly. Well, uh, that, that was pushed as another reason not to have sex, definitely, because you'd, you'd you know definitely get an STD. Right. 
But the other thing that that annoyed me at the time, and, and looking back to, was there were, you know there were a group of girls who did hang around with boys, didn't do much work, were just having fun, you know, enjoying life, and nothing bad was happening to them. So whereas I'm working in a church and all that kind of stuff, and so that's another thing that I sort of thought, well, why bother? Right, that's it. I am screwing those boys. <laughs> Especially that one at Jesus. Well, you, no, that's not what I said, Charlie. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you were thinking. I'll bet that was uh, in the topic in the confession booth. Well, that was the other thing. Like, you're sitting there with this strange middle-aged man that you don't know when you're a 14-year-old girl or something. What are you going to say? Like... <laughs> You know, I thought about kissing this boy. You know, <laughs> like, I don't think so. Try and get them all riled up. Yeah, Forgive sorry. me, Father, for I've, <laughs> I have touched myself. Actually, and, I'm touching myself right now, Father. Right and now. Father, <laughs> this string I'm wearing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I'd pay what money. What did you say? But... A string. <laughs> I was talking about uh, a thong, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Thongs are different in Australia. Really? Something you wear on your feet. Yes. Oh, you're Mm. talking uh, flip-flops. Sandals. Thongs. Moses walkers. Mm. Are we all just going to come up with random... (laughs) 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 Excellent. Excellent. I think we're all tired. (laughs) Yes, we are. Post a photo of me wearing a thong on the website. <laughs> My foot. You take a picture of your foot. We'll post up. Speaking of which, I'm trying to get a, a picture of uh, Eva, the other woman we have on with the accent, uh, dressed up as a hooker. So you've got to dress up no. like something to top it. You know what we should do is we should we should have Emma try and do an American accent for us. Oh, I like that. Are you shitting me? <laughs> Let's hear it. I can do an American accent. You got after yeah. us for saying horrors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. We're not talking gangster here. We're talking American. <laughs> Ed. My mate Ed. <laughs> that is it. We're having everyone with 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 the <laughs> With a non-American accent, from now on, we're going to have him do an American accent. That's yeah, yeah. hilarious. I think we need to hear a little bit more than what up. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want to hear? Sentences. Uh, repeat after sentence. me. I am wearing a thong right now in American. I'm wearing a thong right now in American. <laughs> <laughs> We we well, had. Uh, just get him to say irreligiosophy. <laughs> I love irreligiosophy. It's awesome. <laughs> this coming from a speech therapist. <laughs> she was doing a little yeah, Boston accent for a while. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, we're closer to Boston because we say car and park yeah. and that kind of stuff. So That's we don't have to awesome. break your car. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so I mean, it turns out that you're fairly well adjusted uh, don't really carry much mm. in the way of baggage from your Catholic upbringing uh, sounds like you recognized it was bullshit fairly early on and uh, <laughs> just kind of drifted away from it when you got older yep. that's kind yeah, of best so. case scenario yeah. for growing up religious I, know, I was going to say it's probably not as dramatic as you'd like but um, 
yeah, that that's sort of just how it happened. And I, I know lots of other people my age that that happened with too. It was just sort of, uh, yeah, as they grew up, they sort of went, look, you know what? No, nah, I don't really, not feeling this, don't really believe it, don't need it, not going to do it anymore. So, yeah, that actually, and even though you're going to burn in, you're going to burn in hell for eternity, but that's later. <laughs> <laughs> that gives me a lot of hope for the future, actually, that uh, people can escape this um, absolute obvious bullshit without, you know, carrying any sort of uh, baggage afterwards. I mean, I, I mean, there may be there may be some baggage there, but it's not it's not really huge. It's just, um, yeah, it's just the yeah, like uh, I said there. Being molested Life by gives the priest. you enough shit to deal with, as opposed to having that as well. So, yeah. Having a priest on your shoulder can weigh you down. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't on my shoulder, but anyway. <laughs> one, one hand was on the shoulder; the other's on the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's Shoulder-ish. a bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Slipped. <laughs> <laughs> Need some priest off, Charlie. Excellent! Excellent! Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. This was actually really enjoyable. Uh, you, you're probably the first person I've come across who has had just a, a very calm exit from religion. A fairly benign deconversion story. I like it. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, I hope it's not too boring. But um, anyway, it was good to talk to you guys finally anyway. It's been great. That wasn't boring at all. That, awesome. uh, all, <laughs> all that talk about um, head down, bum up, and... Uh, the lust during your Christian I'm still trying retreats. to figure out that one. <laughs> <laughs> don't you guys know that? Head down, bum up. Don't you know that? No. What is that? Is that like... I, I've got an image in my mind that has absolutely nothing to do with what you were talking about at the time. We both kind of drifted off. <laughs> you know when you put your head down and study? That's sort of what it, what it means. Like you, what? You, know, you just have... Why is your ass in the air? Yeah, what, what, where, where does your ass coming up? <laughs> it's just physics. It's just physics. <laughs> your ass, it bums up. Like, <laughs> you can't have both, otherwise you're doing yoga. What's the point of that? Oh my god, that image is not going to leave my mind. <laughs> <laughs> And the thong. <laughs> and the thong. <laughs> like, Excellent. Wow. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. Very enjoyable. You, you've taught us all something new to say. <laughs> well, it was really good to talk to you finally, and um, yeah, I'll send you the photo of me in a thong. Excellent. we got to have you back, too. Yeah, hopefully with a bit more to talk about next time, with a little bit more notice. Uh, a little bit more notice, and uh, we'll, we'll send you things, uh, some American things to say without, yes. without the Australian accent, in, in an American accent. We'll give what you a up? list. I'm not going to agree to that yet, but... Um... <laughs> hey, just by listening, consent. that's consent where we're concerned. <laughs> nah. <laughs> All right, fantastic. All right, I'll let you guys get some sleep. So, um... All right, thanks again. Take care. Thank uh, you. See you later, Emma. See you later.